I was watching The Last Dance with my sons and I realized though it was about Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen and the Chicago Bulls, one of the biggest factors of the Chicago Bulls was Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson was the leader, the coach. He's the person, as soon as he stepped on to that team, he helped them to get a ring. He was able to help them to see who they were individually and as a leader and as a team. And I think that's why we need a coach because you need somebody to help you develop yourself personally and within a group. So that's what Al Hardy is here to do. That's what I'm here to do is help you to grow personally and within your team, within your group, within your family. Go to www.mralhardy.com forward slash coaching sessions. Promo code Al's Chicken and Waffles. somebody to the point where you bless them and you became a burden uh, and sometimes with, with Jay-Z what he was saying is sometimes his gift is the curse you know he, he's so great at what he does is that uh, people judge him on his greatness and that's the curse that he has and then in this interview uh, we talked to Bashay and we talk about helping people to the point where it hurts yourself uh, this is a super dope episode brothers i need you to tune in women if you have a man that you love this is something that you need to tune into and then this is something that everybody can learn from this is how do we break those cycles uh, of uh helping somebody to the point where it breaks us you know uh, so right now it's healing time what's going on everybody this is al hardy Owls, chicken and waffles, you know what it is. Um, and when we talk about chicken and waffles, I always call it the dynamic duo. We're talking about relationships. And and I believe chicken and waffles is one of those great marriages, those great relationships, you know, that nobody of, uh, could see coming. But um, that's why we call it Owls, chicken and waffles. Um, I got my brother, uh, Paul Bache Williams. He's a, a licensed clinical social worker. Um, a super dope brother, an African American black man that's uh, that that has his own. You have your own practice, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, my own practice in Maryland. Um, I operate in Maryland, DC, Hearts and Mind Council. Okay, so we got one of we got one of the uh, uh, an up and coming. I can't even say up and coming because he's here. He's making a difference in the lives of not just men but women and and families. Um, so. Uh, 
please, uh, we, we I need your attention for this brother by Shay Williams. Now, before we even um, do that, is it is it is Paul by Shay Williams, right? Right, right, right. Okay. So um, I used to before um, I got licensed, I used to do stuff under by Shay Williams. So I wanted to keep my, my social work stuff that I was doing for like the county and the state and all that mm-hmm. separate from what I was doing online, just to keep the um, the distance. Um, between the two. So, but now that I'm licensed, fully licensed, if you look up Bashe Williams, you won't find me. But if you look up Paul Bashe Williams, you'll find me under my license. So I want to be clear that I am a licensed clinical social worker, um, private practice, um, and in good standing. Okay. Okay. So can you, let's, let's, let's get it. Let's get into that. Um, what does uh, a licensed clinical social worker do? We do a little bit of everything, man, uh, to be honest with you. So there's so many different levels. And the reason why I got into, I chose social work, I knew I wanted to be a therapist. My mentor is a, a clinical social worker as well. And so uh, in order to be a therapist, you have to, uh, you get your master's, you get your bachelor's, you get your master's, uh, you get your, your graduate license. You have to sit for 3,000 hours, essentially practice wow. under a supervisor. For, and that's almost like two and a half, three years. You do that, and then you have to take another exam, and you have to pass the exam, the clinical part. You can just take the generic one, or you can take the clinical part, and that allows you to be a therapist. Um, that's dope. But yeah, so I chose social work because we're we can we can do pretty much anything in the mental health field, mm. from politics, from working for the government, case management, um, just uh, supervision, all those different things, including being an independent. Therapist. That's dope. So, all right. So let's let's take a step back uh, because we was just you know talking about that. What made you want to get into this field? Honestly, it chose me to be. You know, growing up in like the hood, I, I was I'm from the Bronx, so you know it was okay. BX. Um, yeah, yeah, all day. So the Bronx was it was hard. So my my mother moved us out of the Bronx mm-hmm. uh, to Suffolk, Virginia, but we moved from you know, fast-paced hood, cityhood to countryhood. Like, we didn't, you know, it just the environment changed as far as, like, people because we just had grass now. That was the only difference. So we were still, you know, Section 8, all that good stuff. And mm-hmm. then we moved from there to Maryland, which was another hood. My mother was a property manager, and it required um, her to live, required us to live in the neighborhood. And she wow. was the only one that would accept the position We're part because of there was something that was, um, it was in Germantown, Maryland. Okay. Okay. So it was in Montgomery County, Maryland, and it was the only neighborhood in the county that was surrounded by that was protected by a gate. Mm. And so I don't know if you know, CeeLo had that song. He don't know if the the gate was to to protect us or keep us in. Mm. So essentially, it was that we had police at the front and security at the bottom wow. um, of our neighborhood, and we had a trailer park that was right behind us, and so. We had three courts. We lived on a second court. And although my mother was a property manager, it's still, I mean, you can't stop everything. Mm-hmm. It was like the third court was like weekly. It was like somebody getting shot, somebody getting robbed. Something was happening in that court. And they used to have a gate. And behind the gate, it was a trailer park. They used to sell like the, the, the dealers used to sell to the fiends with the gate right behind them. Mm. So um, what happened was she had somebody come into the neighborhood to kind of help the kids. So she had these different programs come in and a social worker came into the neighborhood. They started um, facilitating groups hmm. uh, and just talking to us young men and trying to help us. Of course it was rejected initially, but I couldn't reject it because I'm a 
you know, the property manager's son. So I had to be there. So I was in the back with my hood on mad. But he used to always call him. He was like, yo, come up here, help me facilitate the group. So I'm like passing out the stuff. I'm talking about the stuff. And he was saying, like, this is this is something that you're going to want to do when you get older. I was mm-hmm. like, I ain't trying to do this. I didn't think there was no money in it. So it was like, nah. But being in that environment, a lot of stuff, like a lot of us have the capability of doing social work type things where we're giving back to our community, giving back to our hood. And that's essentially the kind of like the essence to, mm-hmm. to be available, a change agent for the, a change agent for the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So I went to school. I said, I want to make a lot of money because I don't want to live in a hood ever again. <laughs> so I was like, I want to be a physical therapist. I didn't like it. I wanted to be an attorney. I uh, started everything. I didn't like it. Uh, I said, I want to do business. I didn't like the business classes. And then I came home one summer. I think it was my sophomore summer. And that same mentor, who's uh, still my mentor today, gave me a job at a therapeutic camp mm-hmm. for kids with special needs, kids with um, different mental health challenges. And I, w- I started off as an administrative assistant. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the camp, I was a counselor. Oh, and I was wow. like, all right, this is where I want to be. And then I started taking the classes and everything was just like, it felt like home when I was in school. Mm. It was just like, I know this experience. I lived it. I can provide insight. I could take this back to the hood. And I could help others and bring more of us into the field of social work because we need each other. Yeah. So, so, um, so did you have an innate ability to, uh, like with that, I guess that emotional intelligence, like, was that like innate in you or was it kind of like the guy, he saw something in you and it, was it like developed or what did that come from your mom? You know, cause, uh, cause what, what, what I'm hearing is two, two different type of things, right? When, especially when you talk about the gate and your mom being a property manager, like, you know, uh, that kind of talks to me about like, uh, protection advocacy and things of that mm-hmm. nature. Um, so can you just kind of dive into like, was that innate in you? I think it was both. Mm. I think initially, of course, it was innate. So it was always the ability to be there for somebody else. Mm. Like growing up, all my friends came to me for advice, mm. came to you know me for like support or what should I do, um, or just they feeling some type of way, and I was able to push my stuff aside. Not realize later realizing I need to deal with that, but at that particular time, it was like let me make sure everybody else is all right. Mm. Mm. Let me make sure everybody else is good, and that's essentially what I did. Um, and then it turned into, okay, this is my passion. This is my purpose. But of course, later on, we'll talk about later how I, I needed to really heal from putting my stuff aside. So, um, so I can be a more effective person and show up, you know, authentic with authenticity because mm-hmm. I needed to heal myself. That's, that's, that's good. So what did that, uh, what did that look like? You know, um, um, okay. you was talking about uh, suppressing your feelings, um, or, or suppressing your feelings as it pertains to uh, to getting healing uh, for yourself. Um, what yeah. what how, what was that process like? So that that whole thing of suppressing the feelings, it, I always talk about that how we use other people's problems as distraction from our own. Mm. So suppressing the feelings allowed me to not feel, in a sense. So I was just able to just work just operate, just fix everybody else. But it got tiring and then it got toxic. Mm. So I had to check myself and saying like, I'm absorbing everybody else's stuff and I'm fixing everybody else's stuff. But I'm also abandoning my needs. 
Mm. So, so there were times when I would be in the middle of helping somebody and my stuff might pop up. Mm-hmm. And then my response is not typical what they need. My response is not typical to what I would usually do. And my response may be, you know, just a, a reaction to something that, that needed to be addressed before. Mm. So what, okay. So that's, 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 that's good. So, um, as, 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 what did that process look like? So, and when, like, when did you know you had, you, you was pushing that, you know, your feelings to the side? Like, uh, was it in the process of you studying more, getting educated more, or was it prior to that? Or like, what, what was that? When, when did that come? I would think it would be after that because I think when studying and stuff gave me, I felt like it gave me more tools to help mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. So I was able to, again, suppress my stuff and then say, okay, I have these tools. This is, I went to school to help others. So I need to continue to help others. We went, we, we go to school, we learn how to set up boundaries um, in a sense from, for the client, but we don't know how to set up boundaries for ourselves. So my work continued to be about other people. Mm-hmm. It's about servitude, servitude and, and purpose. So I continue to ignore my stuff. Mm. And the times that I learned about that I was hurting, it might be too late. It might be to the point, or it might be at the point where I say, all right, I've been doing this for a year or two, helping you. What about me? And at that time, I already created a routine, already created an expectation, and already created this environment and relationship that says that I'm there for you. And I'm and I'll fix whatever I need to fix by myself. Hmm. So, but that wasn't necessarily what it was. So was this in like all relationships, like relationships? Because you said you was helping your boys, but was this in mm-hmm. uh, in your relationships with with ladies or like with everybody? And was that like tact, like you know, was it like overload? Absolutely, it was definitely in relationships with with women. You know, mm-hmm. dating them, like I had that hat on. I was like Captain Salem. Like I had the cape, the hat, everything, the mm-hmm. glove. Like I was just like, what do you need? Let me stop whatever I'm doing to help you fulfill your dream, to help heal you, to make sure you're good. And then it would it would almost be like while you're helping somebody and they continue to hurt you, it's just like the, the healthcare pers- person who's helping somebody who's suffering from a, um, a state of hysteria or um, is having a... Um, a manic episode, but they have to continue to help them. They're mm. being attacked by the patient, by the client, but they continue to help them. And then the patient doesn't say thank you. The patient doesn't realize what's going on. And then eventually you walk off, but then you come back. You don't get any of your needs fulfilled. You don't get the apology that you need. You don't get the recovery that you need. You just know that you have to, you signed up for this job. Mm. So I looked at it as I signed up for this position to help heal this person. And I used to write about it. Mm. I used to write about how it was my responsibility to heal whoever I'm with. It's my responsibility to show them something different. But it got to the point where it was exhausting. It got to the point where I was fed up. But I didn't know how to leave because I committed to the job as opposed to healing in the relationship. And so it was, it was, it was, you know, it got to the point where I would stay in the relationships, but I would look for healing and support outside of the relationship. Mm. So, so now we're in this toxic situation. Mm-hmm. I'm still helping, but I'm hurting at the same time. And so I'm hurting the relationship. And so it was just like this bad cycle. Wow. Wow. That's, that, that's, that's good. Cause I've, 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 I've caught myself, right. Um, uh, okay. So, um, Jamal Bryant, I've heard him say that, you know, 
sometimes we uh, God brings people into our lives uh, that we're supposed to. Uh, how, how you say it? Uh, that God brings people in our lives that we're supposed to minister to, but we're dating. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so we, or so, so I, I, I say that to say that sometimes the pe- the person that you know should be really giving you a a copay. <laughs> we partnering right. up with <laughs> we partnering up right. with them. You know what I mean? Right, and, right. And, and it's not a reciprocal type of service. You know what I mean? Right, um, right. Because and because I'm and I've been there and I, and and it's and it's tough because you you have the tools you know to help somebody. Um, you mm-hmm. have and you but you kind of neglect yourself. Right. You, you kind of neglect right. yourself. And um, so, so I have a question for you. So what does, like, how do you choose now? Like, like, and I'm just saying when, when, when I say choose, choose friends, um, choose uh, a, a partner, like, how do you choose? Is there some boundaries that you set? What, what does that look like? Absolutely. And I think the, the, the person that I am today and how I operate, um, the people who need more than authenticity, um, they they don't they don't appreciate where I'm at, the space in my life, because mm-hmm. I'm no longer available for them for every and everything. So um, it's it's a sense of what I choose, but I'm just operating in in the gift. I'm just operating in where God wants me to be. Mm-hmm. So everything that it, it's it's funny because people just fall off. Mm-hmm. Like they just fall off and, and it's, it's like, I'll pray for something. Like I pray for revelation. Like I was dating somebody um, last year uh, and I was just like asking, I was like, I'll show me if this is who I'm supposed to be with. And I started seeing things hmm. and I just got quiet. And the rest was up to me because mm-hmm. I would I would pray before and I would see something. I'd be like, God, you sure? Show me something else. And he'll show me something else. Mm-hmm. You sure? I don't think that was it. Maybe that's me. Like, I'm questioning the answer that was given to me. Mm-hmm. And so I no longer question that. So if he shows me something, and if we can't have a conversation about it, and it doesn't improve, like, and if I know that I can't stay in that situation, that relationship with a friend or a significant other, then I have to walk away. And I'm okay with walking away now. Before, I didn't know how to walk away because I felt like I needed to stay committed. I knew that. I, I felt like I could fix everything. Mm-hmm. I, could feel, I felt like no problem was too big because where, whether I've seen something on TV that was worse than the experiences in front of me or I've helped the relationship, helped nurture and, and help a relationship get better that was worse than the situation I did. So I used to compare those things and say, it's not as bad as what I've seen. It's not as bad mm. as with um, who I counseled. So I'm okay. But those relationships weren't okay. And then I didn't operate, you know, like, again, going back to me, because I'm all about responsibility. Mm -hmm. I didn't operate and respond the way I needed to do. I I just needed to walk away. So wearing the Black Men Are Dope and Black Women Are Dope shirts has been pretty amazing. Like, I would walk around and people would look at my shirt and there are some people who looked very uncomfortable, but then there were people who were nodding in agreement and that just boosted up this sense of pride that I have of being a strong Black woman as well as being having, having strong Black men in my life. 
And I just want to share that message with the world. And a lot of the times we think that we can only share that message from verbally, you know, talking about our black our black men and black women being so dope. But you know what? I can share that message without even opening my mouth and saying the word. I just put the shirt on and walk around and let the and I let the fashion speak for itself. Go to www.mrihardy.com forward slash shop and put in the promo code chicken waffles. So 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 walking away, I I I, I want to just you know take a pause right there. What does walking away look like? Is it ghosting somebody? Is it just saying like, you know, I'm not ready? Like, you know, because I've seen a lot of guys who when it's time to walk away, they just disappear because they don't have the the tools or they don't have the they don't have the strength to know how to say I'm not ready, you know what I mean, for this or this is a little bit too much for me. What what does walking away look like? I think a lot of us have always struggled with that because we weren't taught how to protect ourselves. We were just taught how to protect women. So we stay mm-hmm. in those relationships regardless. Or when we walk away, we just don't know how to take away our protection. So we don't know how to have that conversation to say, this is not working for me. Like, um, I'm, and you know, some things are not okay with me because we feel like we're attacking them or we're afraid of the backlash. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of times they have the guilt trips and different things that happen. Mm-hmm. But I think just so much strength in saying, I can't stand this relationship mm-hmm. and giving them the opportunity to understand why. But that does not mean that you have to stay, the relation, stay in the relationship if they say they're going to change things. That they, you know, we got to have these real mature conversations. Ghosting, I think it depends on the level of relationship. I've mm-hmm. seen people who do that. Like it might have been one date and you don't hear from a person before, again. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've had established a relationship with someone, you guys communicated, just say, hey, I don't want to continue this conversation. And if they want to go off, let them go off. But you have peace enough to say that you made the mature and the, the decision to say, I need to have this conversation and let you know that I just can't stay in this relationship. I did that before. And, you know, the woman, she again, the, the previous one, you know, she was um, pretty emotional saying why, and you know, asking, let's try, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do that. But I knew myself and mm-hmm. I knew the pattern and the cycle that I would put myself in. And I said to myself, I'm never going to be in that position again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I gave her the truth and that's what it was. Yeah. Um, now her response is her response, but my, my truth is my truth. And my truth is part of the truth of that I could not stay in that relationship. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I mean, and, and for me, I, I you know, you know what what really helped me out in, in those type of relationships, other women. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They'll be like, bro, they'll be like, right. ah, they'll be like, ah, you, you know, you better than this. Or like they'll yeah. they, they be ready to advocate or protect me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When yeah. I could when yeah. I couldn't see it for myself. And I think sometimes right where we go wrong as men is is that we don't have those tools and we don't teach each other those tools on how to uh walk away um with integrity <laughs> you know what i mean right um right like like if you with your boys you just like man just just dump it or like you know what i mean just right. just, just be out <laughs> you know what i mean right um, right right so i think that's something that as men we have to learn how to do a little bit better you know what i mean because 
there are a lot of men that suffering in silence, you know what I mean? In relationships, yeah. you know, yep. that, that, that wasn't meant for them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and contrary to, to belief is that uh, I think the other part is, is that us as men don't really have the tools to know how to choose um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the right mm-hmm. person for them. And I think that's due to not really developing who we are too. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's so many different layers to that. You just said that sometimes we're not going to choose because we don't know who we are, like you said. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, we might choose the same one, but we don't know how to sustain. I mean, not choose the same one, but the right one. We don't know how to sustain because we don't know how to talk. We don't know how to communicate. We're not taught how to express ourselves. And sometimes when we are taught to express ourselves and we practice it, it's not received well. So there's a constant conversation that needs to happen between us. And like you said, when we were with our boys, man, leave her alone. Just, just dump her or, or just get rid of her and all that type of stuff. But just, we need to have conversations. So we need to find these spaces and have the, and, you know, where we can learn how to communicate our needs, learn how to communicate our struggles, learn how to communicate um, how we want things to be done better, how we want to improve for ourselves and improve in our relationships. Yeah, and, and, and you know, was was even... Uh, uh, it takes things to a whole nother level is like even sometimes when a guy breaks up with a young lady right and then the next young lady that he dates is similar to the lady that he broke up with you know what i mean um can, can like can you talk about that like if you're walking away and you 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 need time for healing and i and i think sometimes a lot of guys don't know how to have that time alone to themselves right yeah, that happens so often. Um, and I've been guilty of it, so I don't preach or talk about things that I haven't been guilty from it with an judging eye. So I've, I've essentially dated um, the, the same person that looked different, different names, but they operated the exact same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had to look at myself and say, so why am I choosing the same thing? Why yeah. am I focusing on the same type of person? And I didn't give myself a break. I just looked to replace what was missing. Yeah. And then at a, at a younger age, if if I was dating someone who didn't, who wasn't self-sufficient, mm-hmm. I would solely look for someone who was self-sufficient. And then I would ignore all the other things because I was just looking for what I was missing in the last relationship. And I think sometimes we jump to the next thing that replaces what we didn't have, mm-hmm. or we jump to the next thing and we just have a long sustaining relationship with five different people because... We never healed, we never took time, we never did what we needed to do in between relationships to really, you know, get to know ourselves, to heal, to focus on being better for ourselves and being better for these relationships and being better for women. Yeah, man, that's man, that's that's good right there. That's good. Um I have a, so do you have a lot of men clients? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Yeah, I do. And what what are the like uh, some of the, the major things that you, that they kind of come to you for? Um, depression, marriage issues, relationship issues, mm-hmm. um, uh, problems with, um, the father son dynamic, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's, um, some PTSD or some, you know, fathers not being there or fathers not having the tools themselves to communicate to their sons on how to be, you know, a more, um, and more effective to be more present in their families and with themselves. So it's a it's a wide range of things that happens. Uh, okay. 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 Um. So 
you have a book that's out, correct? Yes, sir. And yes, sir, the, the name of it is Dear Future Wife? Yep. Dear okay. Future Wife, A Man's Guide and a Woman's Reference to Healthy Relationships. Okay, so can you kind of give some, uh, I guess, like a little bit more insight to what made you write the book and, you know, and, and the response? Sure. So what made me write the book, I've always been a writer. I was a writer since I was little. That was a way of expressing myself because mm-hmm. I didn't talk much. Okay. But um, I had a relationship that failed in college. And then I decided that all the things and the ideas I've had that I wanted to have in a relationship or give to my wife, I'm going to put it down on paper because I knew paper didn't talk bad. Mm. I knew paper didn't hurt. <laughs> if I messed up with paper, I could just erase it, throw it away and start all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just safe. So paper mm-hmm. was my safety zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, again, as the person who people's relationship, people come to me with their relationship issues or problems or struggles or questions, I would answer them. And then I turned them into letter form. I, and I started a blog um, with Dear Future Wife, where Bashe Williams, and I just answered people's questions in letter form. Mm. I was putting on Facebook. I went, I went, a couple of things went viral. I was on Shade Room once. So it was a lot of different things that I was doing. I was like, yo, somebody was like, my, well, actually it was my mother. She was like, you know, you have a book right there. Mm. in your blog and i was like ah you know it was it was it felt like it was too much i was overwhelmed mm-hmm. um so i was but i eventually i did it i put it into a book and the response has been great um from both men and women mm-hmm. as far as like healing i'm surprised like clinicians even saying like i'm using it from the couples in my practice mm-hmm. or clinicians that i people that i look up to mm-hmm. you know i'm using your book it's helping me so it's just been overwhelming responses of, of healing and effectiveness as far as the, the tools and stuff that I give inside inside the book. That's that's dope. So now on your on your page, there was something that you wrote, man, and it really uh spoke to me. Um and it's uh help, right? Mm-hmm. And uh you said, I know he sees me struggling. Why why won't he ask? If I need help, what uh, what kind of man doesn't offer the hand uh, to help? This is really hard to do alone. I am tired of doing this by myself. Why I, why am I in this relationship? I might as well be single. I shouldn't have to ask for help. He should be here. Chivalry is dead. Women, women have to do this alone these days. My mom was was right. My homegirl wasn't lying. And then on the then when you you swipe to your left, he says, "I see her struggling, but the last time I offered, she said I got it. I tried to step in, and she told me I just do it because I like to do things a certain way. This is this is true, man. <laughs> what kind of woman doesn't let a man help? Uh, I feel like she likes." She likes to do things alone. I remember hearing her tell her friends she's motivated by getting things done in her way. I'm trying to find my place in her life. This is this is excellent, man. And then when you swipe, you kind of give the solution. But can you just like I think this is where we like we assume, right? Right. And and we and we don't have that healthy dialogue. And I think too, that comes from our history. You know, um, I was, 
I was with this one sister, and she's like, she's a, a, a super dope. She's a friend of mine, and she was getting out of the car. And when she was getting out of the car, she uh, she had her uh, she had a, some books, and um, in a bag. And I'm like, let me let me get that. She's like, no, all right. And I said, see, you like all the other people. You independent. I said, I'm here to help. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I said it yeah. in a, in a joking way, but sometimes, you know, at that moment, I could have just left it alone and could have had that that moment where, like, you know, she like every other sister. She, but she gave in and she and she said, you know what? Go ahead, here you go, because I got to walk up these stairs. I don't want my back to hurt. And I'm saying, like, you right. know, I lift enough weights yeah. to, <laughs> to help you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. so how do we merge? How, how do we have those type of conversations? I think we just got to be honest. And I think when that comes up, like, you you addressed it right then and there. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, kind of softening it with the, with the joke. But there's, there's truth to it. Mm-hmm. And if you guys have a relationship where you can talk about it, I think that's important. Mm-hmm. But we need to talk about this more on a global level and saying that we created this environment, whether it's the mothers or the fathers who are who have told women don't depend on a man. Mm-hmm. And this is not. And then we got to separate like him helping you is not dependency. Mm-hmm. Like we take it to this extreme. Like dependency is like every little thing that someone does. For you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that deep. It's just allowing somebody to come into your space and help out. And that does not mean you owe them anything, too. So on the reverse side of that, when somebody helps you with the bag, it doesn't mean you owe him a kiss, you owe him a hug, you owe him dinner, you owe him sex. No, that's a part of relationship that's, that, that stays within that. Mm-hmm. The stays with being a nice person and being able to receive and give help. Mm-hmm. So continuous conversations about that. Um, I remember being in a relationship myself when, you know, with all the stuff doing, what I'm doing, like my book, social media, the speaking engagements, the travel, all that type of stuff, um, and clients. And, you know, it was like someone offered to help. And I was like, oh, cool, cool. That would be great. And I was helping them, too, with the same thing, like getting them gigs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they said to me one day, they was just like, um, I don't think I should be doing this. And I was like, why? And I was like, this is what a wife does. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're sending an email. Like, I, I sent the email for you as well. Like, mm-hmm. and, and you got some spots off of me and I got some spots off of you. This is not a wife's work. This is just like, we're just helping each other. Mm-hmm. And so, but I knew at that particular point that it was deeper for her than that. Mm-hmm. It was, she wanted to be in that role as a wife, but did not communicate that or wasn't patient enough to, to for us to develop a relationship where we have that. So it's just like anything I'm doing is like wife-like. No, it's not. Like not everything you do is husband-like or wife-like or is boyfriend or girlfriend-like or fiance. Like some of these things, you just genuinely do it as a nice person. Mm. And when it gets to a point where you're doing it where it's excessive and somebody's taking advantage of it, that's when you check and you have a conversation about it. But when you guys are exchanging ideas and helping each other out, that's essentially what it is. You're helping each other out. And how else do you, you develop and build a relationship? Man, that's good. Now that that kind of leads into something that um, uh, healthy uh, relationships with the opposite sex, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, for what does that really look like? Because uh, and as you use that example, um, sometimes the, the people can get mixed messages. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. sometimes it's mm-hmm. not due to to anything but them just spending time together, right? But the communication right. isn't. Uh, the boundaries and the communication isn't 
kind of set, right? So how mm-hmm. how do we uh, maintain healthy? Because that's that's a thing, you know, uh, people not having healthy relationships with the opposite sex. Do, should we have boundaries, or what does that look like? Absolutely. I think boundaries are the key to a healthy relationship, whether you're with someone or you're not with someone. I think these boundaries that need to be set allows you to operate and really get to know a person for who they are as opposed to what you're trying to get them to be. Um, If you guys are like two people hanging out, you guys are doing a lot of stuff together. You are building a relationship, but Mm -hmm. it's up to y'all to discuss what type of relationship that you're building. Mm -hmm. So if you feel something that's kind of like, excuse me, crossing the boundaries of friendship, talk about it. Don't just allow it to continuously happen. And then you find one day, like you're 10 months in, you're like, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Or, oh, I thought when you did this, you did this because of this. Mm. No, let's have a conversation about it and and set the boundaries. Like there's there's times like for me, I'm not going to be talking to a woman on the phone who's not my significant other later than nine o'clock. I'm just not. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be in the bed. We on the phone. I mean, because I know how I am. Yeah. And I know how other people interpret that because yeah. I used to be the one that was like, I'm there for everybody. What you need, like somebody can hit me up at like 11 o'clock. Yo, I'm on the West Coast. Let's do a podcast. It's nine o'clock to them, nine o'clock to them. Let's do, let's do a, pod, a podcast at 12. I'm like, all right, I got you. Yeah. And so I'm, but I was just always available and I'm thinking everybody's genuine. Yeah. But I'm allowing all these people into my space, but I'm sending a different message, whether I said it or whether I, I, that was my intention, mm. it's sending a different message. So having those conversations around boundaries, now, nah, we can do that tomorrow. Or not even responding, like I have, my phone is on do not disturb from eight to eight. Mm. From eight at night to eight in the morning, nobody has access except for my family, um, close and close friends, that's it. That's good, that's good, that's good right there. Um, Another thing that you, you wrote about in your, uh on your Instagram page was about anger and how men deal with anger. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Because, you know, uh, I think sometimes uh, men don't really fully understand. And then uh, women who are with the men, uh, they don't fully understand, you know, uh, the pressure points of, of, of a man's anger. Yeah. So we don't, so we're taught that anger is okay. And we're taught that anger is passion. Like mm-hmm. we can be passionate about sports and be passionate about certain things. Mm-hmm. We're not taught how to be passionate about our feelings when it comes to like hurting or be passionate to learn about ourselves in that, that particular way. So if anger is okay, then that's the only one that we know how to express. Mm-hmm. But of course, behind anger is hurt. Mm-hmm. And we're taught to man up, to toughen up, mm-hmm. don't cry, all those things. So we're taught to push that to the side. So Okay, if I can't show you that I'm hurting, what can I show you? I can show you that I'm upset and I can show you that I'm angry. Mm-hmm. I can show you that how I'm going to deal with this because I'm going to protect myself from being in that vulnerable position of not only being hurt, but not being allowed to express it. So there's double layers to that. Mm-hmm. So now when I'm talking to a woman and she upsets me, what do I do? I've only learned how to handle just one way. So I'm, I'm addressing her the way that I was taught. Mm-hmm. And a woman is looking like, yo, this is too much. And we're bigger, stronger sometimes. And so our aggression level is, is up and we're intimidating. And then, then that happens. And then now they are who are, who were taught and trained and worked and understand their emotions. 
they know how to, you know, get us to a certain points. They know how to deal with their own emotions. They know how to express them. They know how to talk about them. And so we're not having the same conversation. Yeah. yeah. And so it's so difficult for us to really be on the same page unless you're dealing with someone who really understands it and allows you the space to talk about those feelings. Yeah. But as men, again, the responsibility is us to learn what those feelings are. Yeah, that's 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 true. Now I've I've been around uh some women, right? And they've said some, you know, I mean, we've we've been through some heated times and they might have said something kind of hurtful. And then I say, you know what, that hurt my feelings. And then they'll be that that'll take them for that'll take them aback. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because they mm-hmm. cause, and what they expressed to me was was that men that they've either been in a relationship with, even like their brothers, they've never really expressed that they hurt their feelings. You know, so they right. so women right. have so the women that I've encountered, not all, but um, they 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 just shared that men don't verbalize that type of pain when it comes from them. So sometimes they can say whatever it is that they want to say. You know what I mean, and and mm-hmm. the man can't. The only way, like you said, he would react is he would either fall all the way back, or he'll get super angry. You know, right. and right. and that was a that you know, and and that was that was a revelation to me. You know, right, right, yeah, it happens all too often. Yeah, and it's a shock. It's a shock to the system. Yeah, you know, if they don't know, you know, they they might respond, "Oh, this is new to me." But also, that's why some of them rejected as well yeah yeah that's so that's, yeah it's, it's a conversation yeah 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 I, I i think i think um a brother like you man i i just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing right um because sure. you're, you're giving you're giving men and i say it like this you're giving men um the tools but you're giving them the ability to verbalize their emotions you know um, giving them language to their emotions, and that's and that's 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 key right now, you know. Yeah. Uh, when I when I look at young men and I deal with boys, a lot of times they they're so angry and they don't know how to express it. Um, and when they but when they express it, it's like a, a weight has lifted off of them. So I just mm-hmm. want to say thank you for the work that you've been doing, and and no I just problem. want to say continue to do the work that you know do this work, man. I thank you, man. I will appreciate that, man. It's just it's important and it's good to hear. Yes, sir. Appreciate that. Um, how can everybody reach you? They can reach me on Bashe Williams on IG. They can reach me on Bashe Williams on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. I still have some YouTube um, stuff on there. Uh, also on uh, my website, if you're looking for therapy, it's heartsandmindcounseling.com. Okay. Where you can go on there, you can kind of see my schedule, you can kind of see what I deal with, who I talk to, availability, all that good stuff. Uh, also, my website is Bashe Williams with some of my old blogs and stuff like that that I post every once in a while. I pull from and post it on my Instagram and Facebook. But yeah, that's pretty much it. everywhere is Bashe Williams is where you can find me. Oh man, thank you, man. I want to thank you again. Um, listen, follow this brother, uh, read his blogs, buy his book. Follow him on Instagram. Follow him on on Facebook, YouTube. It doesn't take that much to follow, you know. And then right. let's support. Let's support. And then let other men, ladies, if you know any other men who needs uh, therapy, let's reach out. Let's reach out. I just want to say thank you again, and let's have a good one. All right.
Are you healed? I think this is a, this is a moment of being healed, man. Uh, this is a great episode. We're, we're learning uh, about who we are. Um, each and every episode, you, you, we're learning more and more. And with Bashay, um, with this conversation, is is I think it's the next level of us heightening our self-awareness of who we are um, within ourselves and then also in relationship with others. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you again for listening. Have a great one.